It all begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast, your home for everything motocross, supercross, and dirt bike related. I am Steve, joined as always by Jesse. What's up, Jesse? Yo, yo. Racing is back. Racing is back. So whether you happen to be listening to this on Spotify or Apple or whatever platform uh, you are listening to, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified every time we upload a new show. Go visit our website, www.powerthenumber2theground.com, so you can check out for giveaways, merch, and other exclusive web content that will be coming soon. Lastly, be a good friend, share this with your buddies so that everybody can get the full Supercross season experience that they deserve. Because racing is back, Jesse. Racing is back. A1 last night. I am so happy. I'm incredibly happy. It was... Uh, as far as A1s go, it wasn't top three, I don't think. But, uh, you know, regardless, racing is back. So there was there was some cool things that happened uh, yesterday. There was some fun stuff going on. But for the most part, I'm going to be perfectly honest. That was a... What's the word? Lackluster? Lackluster. Lackluster race. It felt to me like a majority of the riders yesterday just weren't ready for the season to start mentally. Like physically, you know, they looked, a lot of them looked fine. Um, But it just felt like mentally they just either had overhyped it or just were like, they woke up and like, crap, I got a race tonight. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I definitely felt like uh, Anderson felt that way, but that's no surprise. That's no surprise. So, um, Let's do some reviews, our first review of the year. So not only is racing back, but we are back from our Christmas break. Hope everybody had a great holiday season. Um, And a happy new year. And a happy new year, because we are in 2020, SX 2020. And um, so far, so far, I'm looking like a genius. At least in the 250s. At least and not so much in the 450s. Not so much in the 450s. But there's – so we're going to get there. Let's review these races. Let's talk about what we saw a little bit. We had some interesting stuff, some track track cutting going on. (laughs) Um, So we'll get to all of that. Uh, First of all, Justin Cooper um, took down the 250 heat – I mean, 250 main event. And uh, really, he probably looked as good as anybody on the track in the 250 yesterday. Totally agree. Um, Justin Cooper, who, uh, like we were saying yesterday, this guy, he's just been trading blows with the best of them for like the past nine months to a year, um, including an outdoor, which he said himself is his strong point. He He's much more comfortable in an outdoor track. So for him to come out in A1 and just do it to it, I'm excited to see what this kid can do. And, you know, it's so the thought is kind of, oh, well, you know, Forker had his little issue there. He kind of almost went down, went into the tough blocks. So what Cooper was catching him. Yeah. I, for me, there was no doubt. It was only he was he was on the prowl. He had flashed his tire at one point earlier in the race and Forkner kind of turned it back up a little bit um, <clears throat> and gapped him. And then Cooper showed what I think is the biggest sign of his maturity and growth, and that is uh, patience. So he flashed the tire, didn't make the pass. Forkner kind of gapped him a little bit. And then he backed off a little bit. He started watching Forkner. He started just – he rode his race 
And as he was starting to catch back up, you thought, okay, he's on the prowl. He's about ready to make a pass. Didn't obviously need to. Forkner hit a tough block, uh, cut the track. I don't know what he was thinking there, but, you know, basically just handed the win to, to Cooper. But he was making, to, to me, he was making that pass anyway. He yeah. showed a lot of maturity yesterday, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Cooper basically had to dodge him when he hit the tough block. That's how <laughs> close he was. So um, he, I, I think this is Forkner's first ride back. So I, he was, there was still five minutes left in the race. So Cooper had plenty of time. He was gaining on him. Um, I think he was eventually going to make that move. Um, I think Forkner's probably got some work to do, you know, just to get back to full race condition because you can't, you can't manufacture race environment in practice, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try. I mean, Tomac had arm pump last night. We'll get more into that. Tomac rides constantly. He, so you, you can't, you can't practice for the race environment. And I was glad to see where Forkner started the race out and even, you know, carried out for the he majority of the race. He great to start the race. But uh, he's he's clearly got some some uh, kinks to work out as far as his, con- his conditioning goes and everything like that because he was fading. He was fading and Cooper was, he was, was going to capitalize and whether he, re- he did that or not. Really, you know, his fading, he was he just looked so gassed. By yeah. the end of that, and I think that was a big reason he made that that mistake. Yeah. Um. So yes, one hundred percent. But he did. He looked great at the beginning of the race. He looked like he did before he got hurt. He was yeah. solid right out front. Started gapping people. Um. But Justin Cooper deserved that win. I absolutely think he deserved that win. Um. And then you want to talk about Ferrandis coming in second, and he had a really rough start, which. Yeah. We want to talk about what Ferrandis does. You know, it's yep. it, how many times have we talked about like a oh, rough start, but he made it up. And you got to think, you know, had he started up front, would the results have been a little bit different? Right. Yeah, he started in fifteenth, I think, is where where they had him locked um, during the the first lap. So he did. He made. Yeah, he made a lot, a lot of, of passes early, though. I think for the most part, like his when the race really kind of got going, he was like somewhere in the low top ten. Yeah. Um, and just started making passes. I don't know that he would have beat Justin Cooper. Um, here's here's because every lap, you know, Ricky's really good about this guy ran a 58, this guy ran a 59, whatever. It seemed like the three of them, Forkner, Cooper, and Frandis, were trading back and forth every lap on who was the fastest. Right. Until Forkner started to, you know, gas and then he went down. And then it was just Cooper and Frandis trading back and forth on the fastest lap. So, yeah. um, would have been really interesting to see Ferrandez up front for most of that, but pulling out a second after a start like that is why he was the champion last year. Right. Yeah, and we were we were talking about the intervals um, last night, and it seemed it did seem like Forkner was holding Cooper up a little bit before everything went down, um, and you could see that in the times because of how far back Ferrandez was on Forkner. Um, and that gap was closing. And then as soon as Forkner went down and Cooper got in front of Forkner, that gap really kind of stopped closing. So, um, yeah, it would be, it's going to be really interesting to see, especially because they're teammates. It's going to be really interesting to see them up front because I think for, based off of what I saw last night, um, you know, I think those, those are probably our guys here in the West. Those those three. Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely what it's looking like right now. And 
I, you know, my prediction from last week was that Justin Cooper was going to take it this year because he was going to take that next step. I just didn't expect it to be so glaringly apparent that he was ready to take that next step. I thought it was going to be, you know, a process. He looked like the best rider out there yesterday. Yep. To me. Yeah. I mean, he, he was clearly confident. I mean, kid went out to, uh, um, what's it called? Europe. <sighs> Motocross Nations. Oh, you're talking. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Kid went out to Motocross the Nations and he, until he hurt himself, he carried that team. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's had some, and, and before that, he was going blow for blow with Ferrandis and Cianciarulo and outdoors. So he's clearly got a lot of confidence built up, even coming into this season. And for him to just come out in Anaheim 1. Looks Ferran- good for, Ferrandis looks good for better. Right now. Yeah, Ferrandis has got to. He's got to come back. If Ferrandis wants to keep a shot at this right now, he's got to knock him off of his high horse because this kid is he's racing confident. So right Ferrandis now. mentioned that he felt a little tight, and I don't remember if he said if it was him or his bike. I think he might have talked been talking his bike felt a little bit tight. So I think you know that's another thing a lot of these riders are going to be dealing with now that they're in race conditions, the adrenaline's pumping, all those adjustments they made in practice and here and there and in the qualifiers and all that stuff don't mean jack until you get out on the track in a race. So now I think a lot of these guys are going to start feeling out, okay, where does the bike actually need to be in race conditions? And I think Ferrandez kind of alluded that, to that when you could understand what he was saying. Um, <laughs> Not that personal. He's just got a really thick accent. And there's, I think there was at one point he actually slipped into French, and I just, I'm just i like, I don't know what you're saying. Right. <laughs> he just forgot what what language he was supposed to be speaking. Yeah. Um, he mentioned being tight, and if it's the bike, I think that once he gets his bike locked in and then he kind of gets into his groove, um, if these two go back and forth all season, I'm more than okay with that. Yeah. Just, just battling it out for, for points this season. I think that's going to make for some really interesting stuff. Uh, Christian Craig looked okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, Christian, Craig, Christian Craig actually showed that he had some speed. Again, there's only so much that you can reproduce. He's been he's – been out of racing for right for a, a year and a half now for so, a while yeah um you know he's got he's he, for somebody who's been out of it for that long i feel like he um he performed really really well you know he found his groove he found a spot and um there were a t- at the beginning of the main he was sticking right there with um um he started off in second, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was sticking with Forkner. No, I'm sorry. He wasn't sticking with Forkner. No, Forkner was pulling away. Yeah. Yeah, Forkner was definitely pulling away to start the race. Um, and Cooper got around Craig. So, I mean, Craig got the uh, de facto podium, yeah. which which definitely works out for him. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> I look, I've seen some riders do some dumb things. You know, uh, Marvin not rolling through a, a medical flag, you know, yeah. like that's one of those, like, I guess in the heat of the moment, you can kind of like, you're excited. You're, you're, you're just kind of in your groove. You're, you're zoned in. Um, you know, I could see kind of, not that it's excusable, but I could see how it could happen if you're zoned in. Right. Forkner jumps into the tough blocks. And as he comes out, his bike just spins and points back in the opposite direction. Now they're coming on up to a uh, a full 180 turn <laughs> and instead of turning his bike back around and finishing the turn uh, he already lost his spot you know what i mean like at this point get back on going the right way and just freaking get going he cuts over 
in the opposite direction and he <clears throat> essentially completely cuts off that turn that 180 turn yep and like halfway through the next straightaway re-enters the track and like immediately ricky karma is like oh whoa what are you, you doing can, there buddy you, you can not do that <laughs> like that is like mario kart style shortcuts yeah um and i just i cannot fathom i i get that he was probably gassed yeah um he he just was at that point not ready to to run a full race um, he's probably pissed off because he just jumped into a tough block. I mean, one, he's lucky he didn't. He stayed up on as it is, right? But how he knew where he was going, he knew what he was doing. He clearly thought about it. Like for me, my thought process is like I'm watching. This is what I think went through his head. He's like, "Shit, crap! I'm in the tough blocks, and then, oh crap! I'm facing the wrong. You know what? You know what? Screw it! I'm just gonna go. I've already lost this spot." And he just went <laughs> and didn't really think about the consequences of cutting off an entire turn. Right. Um, tried to downplay it in the interview a little bit, which I thought was not helpful. If just own it. Yeah. Just own it. You know, like look, it's heat of the moment. I made a dumb choice. You know, um, <clears throat> should have just turned it back around and finished out the turn, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, well, you know, it's not like I cut off that much of the track. Yeah. Dude, you cut off an entire 180 turn. Like, and half, and and, half of a straightaway. And half of a straightaway. On both sides of it. Right. Like, that is not a small piece of track. Like, you weren't, like, halfway through the turn and then, like, you know, no, 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 no. You cut off a lot of track. And right. he tried to downplay it, which pissed me off a little bit. Um, I think, you know, these guys just, you just need to own stuff like that. That yeah. was a dumb decision. Well, I mean, he's, he's like 20 years old and this is uh, not, not excusing what, what he was doing in the interview, but, um, shout out to, uh, Will Christiane though. Uh, she was an awesome interviewer last night, but she just journalismed all, all over, over the him. place. Yeah. It was great. But he, I mean, he was clearly embarrassed by what he did, he had to have been going up there and be like, please don't ask me. Please don't ask me about what I did. Please don't ask me what, about what I just did. He had to have known that somebody was going to ask him, but I bet he was just hoping that nobody did. They just pretend like it just didn't happen. But I'm actually surprised he, he got away with only two points. I thought he, uh, or two positions. I thought he'd get docked more than that, but. No. I mean, it, it's, uh, let's be honest. Had he turned his bike around finished out the turn and started mm-hmm. racing again, those two positions is probably where he would have ended up. So I think that ended up being more or less fair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess that that is fair. Because, I mean, where he cut across, when he got back onto the, um, the other side of those tough blocks, Christian Craig was coming into that turn. Right. right. So, so it, Craig would have made the pass on him had he had to fix his bike and right. get because he had to turn completely back around in order to finish out that turn, right. which is why I think he decided not to do that. And and Moseman probably would have had a shot at him too. Would have been at least right there. So right. I think that was a fair amount. Um, he he lost his podium. He lost the two positions that he probably should have lost anyway. So. And at that point, he was gassed, so he wasn't making any other passes coming up at the end of the race. So right. I think that's probably about where he would have finished had he fixed it anyway. So I'm not upset about the punishment. I think it was fair. I think it was deserved, yep. 100%. Uh, Forkton needs to be a little bit more conscious. Of thing. Yeah, co- <laughs> exactly. It's a, he needs to be more cognizant. But you're right. We'll, so we, we spend a lot of time harping on media and coverage and things like that. First of all, the guy they had in place of Ralph Sheen yesterday, 
way better. Yeah. Way better. Uh, I thought the coverage was... Yeah, they... I, I would say some places they've definitely improved. Um, it I, looked like a cameraman had a heart attack yeah, a couple of times. Right. Like, like just the camera right. just went straight up in the air. And I was like, <laughs> what just happened? Right. Uh, their camera... Their, you know, they had some audio issues, which I'm pretty sure they've had every Anaheim one every year since we've been watching this sport. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's just happens every single year. But Will moving Will into Supercross was such a good move because she is going to be that person that asks those tough questions right there on the podium comes right up hey you know uh austin you did a great job congratulations uh on your finish uh how do you feel let him talk a little bit and then by the way you cut off an entire section of track what were you thinking in that moment and he died <laughs> dude his, he thought he, he was, was gonna like, get away uh, with it uh well uh <laughs> i just think uh well like he was not to answer no. that question it was hilarious how like we looked at each other like is this guy serious like he would did not want to answer that no. question and i love that she asked it because um things like that need to be asked yeah absolutely they need to be held accountable for stuff like that and they and they owe it to the fans to answer questions like that right i 100 percent agree so i mean outside of those top three Four, if you're counting Christian Craig, I didn't really think there was a whole lot to take away from the 250s. No. Um, Not a lot of passes, which is a theme of the night. Um, yeah. I felt like this track was a one-lane track for 90% of the run. Oh, night. it was. And you you could see that just based off of the whoops alone. The whoops right. alone just look... There was this one cavernous, just... <laughs> just a canyon. <laughs> canyon right down the middle of the whoops because everybody was going down the same spot. And that's that's really what it was. Like, there was no there was no line selections at all. Everybody just got in line. And if they were going to make a pass, they just sat behind whoever they were planning on passing for until they basically got tired out and then, you know, made the pass probably in a turn. Um, it was usually in a turn. Sometimes you'd see a guy kind of just tear through the whoops and make a pass. Um, I think that's the big, like once things kind of got settled after the first couple of laps, that was it. Like they just, everyone just kind of settled into where they were going to be minus like one or two little position changes here and there, but up top, up front, especially. So, yeah. Um, I don't feel like we learned a whole lot from no. the two fifties, and you never, you never really do learn a whole lot from, from a one. Everybody's just excited that racing is back. Um, couple of things of note on here um alex martin looked like garbage last night um he finished in 10th behind a 16 year old um right behind a 16 year old uh because jet lawrence finished in ninth who uh let's he finished in the top 10 that's that's, this kid is gonna be such a stud yeah he's got to grow he's got to fill out the first thing i said when i when they showed him in uh heats was he is tiny. He's tiny. He looks so small on a 250 too. It's not even like he's on a four. Like he looks small. Right. So he's gonna pack on some, some tonnage. Yeah. There. He he looks like the stick figure that some little kid drew on a, <laughs> on their their little paper because they were drawing a, a dirt bike. So it's, he's t- so small. So but small. if he's doing that at that size and what he's able to kind of you know what he's able to do with his bike. It's still definitely impressive. He also apparently was coming off of a injury or a sickness for this race. So I think that they said, um, I think he was ill, they said, leading up to this. Yeah. So give him a little credit there. You know, coming off of being sick, he's tiny. He's 16 years old. His first ever actual supercross race. He finishes in the top 10 at 16 years old. I'll, I'll give the kid all the credit in the world. I still stand by. Keep an eye on this kid. He's going to be a star. Yep. 
Yeah, is illness. Illness is probably the the is probably the word of the night. Honestly, there's a lot of talk about everybody being, you know, sick in one way, shape, or another. Um, so, yeah, it was. I don't think we learned very much about the two fifties, but I, I don't except think, for Justin Cooper. Except I for think Justin, Justin showed everybody. Something. Justin Cooper showed that he is confident and he's ready to compete for this championship with his teammate, and that's good to see. That is definitely good to see. So I think that pretty much wraps up our 250s. Um, let's start talking about the big boys and what we saw from them yesterday. If you're a fan of any of those big riders, you are likely disappointed. But uh, we're going to get into that right after we take a break. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. I am back on the bam, bam bandwagon. Bam, bam bandwagon. <laughs> so, all right. Justin Barsha made his annual appearance in Supercross. So now that we can move on from that, let's. What else did we? I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of, kind of kidding because let's say that's what Justin Barsha does. That's what he's been doing. He'll show up for a couple of races, win one of them, and everyone's like, "Where's Justin Barsha? We know he can ride with the best. Oh man, is he back? Is he ready? Is he finally gonna take that next step?" And like the next week, he's either hurt or just disappears, and he's running 12. Right. And you know, so he won a one last year. Yep. So that winning A1 this year means next to nothing long-term for him. I think it was a great race for him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely deserved it. He was the fastest rider on the track yesterday, 100%. Um, even when he kind of had that flub and Sancerulo kind of took first, I had no doubt he was going to take first back, even if Sancerulo didn't also flub. Right. Um, so he was 100% give him all the credit in the world. <clears throat> fastest rider on the track yesterday. I just... I'm not going to get on the Bam Bam bandwagon until he does it more than once okay. in a year. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I have high hopes. I have, I, I've listened to a couple of interviews that he gave after the races last night where he was kind of talking about the difference between this year and other years, and there are a lot of them. For one, he sounds like an adult for the first time that I've ever heard. Um, so it, it, he's clearly matured. He's not that old. I want to say Barsha's like 25, 26 years old, somewhere in that range. Um, so he sa- he sounds more mature. Uh, he doesn't have a test rider this year for the first time in his career. He does not have a test rider. He is doing all the test riding, and he said over the offseason, because he doesn't have a test rider, he did more riding than he's ever done in his life. So more exposure to the bike, um, just Cardio conditioning. Yep, just flat out. There's a lot more riding there. Two, for the first time since he's been uh, three. You said two and held up three fingers. That was amazing. That was amazing. (laughs) So three, Um, for the first time since he's been at Yamaha, I guess in years past, every time they made a request um, to production Yamaha for, you know, parts for the bike or anything like that, they never were received. Like they never got any any production help for the team. Um, I'm not sure if that was for the entire team or just for Barsha, but he said in years past, if I needed a new engine or something like that, we had to go get it from the United somewhere in the United States because Japan wouldn't respond. Um, I guess that didn't ha- that is changed this year. They are responding to to his concerns. They are responding to um, his requests, and he's getting. Uh, the factory responses actual that he factory needs. support um he is healthy 
He said it last night in a couple different interviews. This is the first time since he was riding on Honda that he is both healthy and comfortable on the bike. There have been years where he was comfortable on the bike, but not healthy. And there have been years when he was healthy, but not comfortable on the bike. This year is the first year since he's been on Yamaha that both of those are existing in the same universe concurrently. And I'm excited to see what he can put together because he showed me a lot last night. And uh, if he can stay upright and not hurt himself, uh, I think he could make a push a for it. Pretty large if first. Um, <clears throat> that's the thing, though. I I don't disagree that maybe he feels like it's a different year this year, but you're going to say that, you know, if it's you on a, on a podium and you just won a one for the second year in a row and they're like, what's different about this year? Because you know, last year you didn't follow through and you're like, well, I, things are different, right? I feel great. I feel good. There's just, I'm confident. I'm healthy. I'm getting the support. Of course you're going to say those things. And it's not that I don't believe him. I'm sure he believes those things. What I need to see is him do it for more than one race. Fair. Uh, I, I can't, like right now, after that one race, you said you like what you see from him. Are you willing to put money down on Barsha finishing in the top three in points this season? Yes. You think so? Yes. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Tomac is going to pick up like he always does as the season goes on because he's much stronger halfway through towards the end of the season. Um, Cooper Webb finished a podium with the flu, um, and Ciancerulo showed that he might be – at least one of the fastest riders on the track. He looked great last night. Um, Rulo just... showed me more than I thought. Rulo showed me more than what Barsha did. First ever, like, actual Supercross race on a 450. I know he did um, Monster Energy, Energy Cup. Cup. Yeah. Well, which he won, by the way. Um, but this is, like, his first official Supercross race on a 450. Like, official... And... He was so solid. He had the one flub that really ended up costing him the race. Right. Um, even though I thought Barsha was probably going to catch him anyway. Uh, Barsha looked all, again. And I'm not Barsha's trying to t- take away from what Barsha did right. yesterday. Like I want to make that clear. He looked great. He was fast. He was smooth. And he was going to win that regardless to me unless he went down again. Um, but he's been able to do that from one race before is my point. Yep. See, Rulo, I thought looked great though. I agree. Cianci Rulo looked fantastic. I mean, obviously he looked better than Tomac. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, I'm not going to make any bets on Barsha yet. I want to wait until after St. <laughs> Louis. Okay. I'll make a bet. I'll make a bet okay. for overalls after St. Louis. Okay. You convinced, okay. You convinced me to hold my horses there it's for a just, second. Just for one race. You know, again, we always talk about the overreaction of one race, right? Yeah. We already said like. Especially this one. Especially A1 because how many – when was the last time the winner of A1 won the Supercross Championship? Because it's been a while. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, because it wasn't last year. It definitely wasn't the year before that. No. Musken won A1 the year before yeah. that. Remember, we ended up looking that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure Barsha won A1 at some other point in his career as well. Obviously did not win it. Right. You know, um, Roxon has won A1. He yeah. did not win it that year. So – the winner of A1, very – it's always just such a – remember when Davey Millsaps won A1? Davey, and we were, yeah, but, I mean, Davey Millsaps was a contender for a few uh, years there. Was he, though? I mean, he was. I, yeah. He was absolutely a contender, but the year he won A1, there was no chance. That was, that was the Dungeville Apoto Prime. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there was no chance. 
But you just, my point is, you always have one of those guys that just sneak in and steal a one. And you're like, wow, holy crap! And it's the first race of the season. Everyone's excited, so they all overreact. Bosch is the new favorite to win the championship. Right. Oh my god, he looks so freaking. I'm like, everybody, slow the hell down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a Bam Bam fan, so I gotta admit, I get emotional when I see Bam Bam up on up on the top of the podium. So, um, there was there was some other stuff going. On. I agree. I think the most, uh, the two the two most impressive performances last night are I agree with you, Adam Ciancerulo first time out, um, contending for the, for the top spot. He you know, a couple of things went a different way. He may have had the top spot, um, and Cooper Webb with the flu, getting on the podium. So I definitely want to get to Webb. The thing that actually surprised me. And that I think is is a good sign for Adam Ciancerulo and his fans is he came right out and said in his interview, I need to get used to that extra five minutes in the 450 main events. Right. It's not 15 plus one. It's 20 plus one. And he flat out said he was not. He's like, that felt like that extra five minutes took forever. And I think at that point, he was like just ready for the race to be done. He wasn't ready for it. So, as his conditioning gets better and he is able to start pushing through for that extra five minutes, watch out, man, because he looked he looked solid. He so natural for him on a four fifty. It looks like he's not a rookie on right. the four fifty. No, it looks like he's been on it for a couple of years now, and you know he's he's got a he's he's definitely a bigger body than a lot of these other guys. So it makes sense that the four fifty would be comfortable for him. Um, so yeah, I I. Everybody in the world knew that he was going to transfer. That he was going to transfer easily from two fifty to four fifty. It was just like, but it was right away. Yeah, there was no. It, was, it just feels like there's no learning curve for him. Yeah. Like the only learning curve is adding an extra five minutes to his race. Well, uh, again, let's see how that trans, how how that goes going forward when everybody who is actually contending hits their stride. Starts contending when everyone who's supposed yeah. to contend contends because yeah, because oh. I mean. Uh, you know, I don't feel like Anderson even started racing until like two minutes left in the main, which it, has been typical for him lately. Um, Roxon looked. Uh, it, that's another another person they were talking about. You know, illness was a uh, um, the the word of the night last night. They were talking about uh, Roxon announcing that he um, has a diagnosis uh, diagnosis of Epstein Barr. Um, which is something that everybody has been wondering. What is wrong with this dude? He is sick all the time, all right, the time. Right. Well, chronic fatigue is yeah. apparently it. Right. Yeah, because it just looks like he doesn't have the same. Like it looks like he mailed it in last night. Right. And it, it's he's not the only one though. You know, we uh, Tomac clearly mailed it in. He he says that he had arm pump. He mailed it in. Um, I think. Malcolm Stewart mailed it in. I don't think Malcolm Stewart came last night to win. I think he was probably of the same mindset that Cianci Rulo said that he was of, which was, I just want to finish this whole race tonight. Um, because in the heat races, Malcolm Stewart looked damn good. Right. Um, right. We were like, okay, here okay. we go. Malcolm's Malcolm's showing up. Uh, same thing with Brayton. I think... Um, Brayton wanted to get his start, and then he wanted to finish the race. I believe that is that's what it looked like to me. But that so that is the problem that I have with yesterday's Anaheim one is 
It feels like everybody had that mentality except for Barsha, Cianzarulo, and Webb. Right. Like, everybody else in that race yesterday felt like they just wanted to get through it and get it over. It's like, dude, like, there was how many passes of note were there in that race yesterday? And I don't count Barsha and Cianzarulo going back and forth because both of those passes were off of mistakes. Then, Then the only ones that I can think of were when... Anderson woke up from his hangover coma. And Webb getting up into third. Two minutes left. <laughs> Anderson made a bunch of passes that right. got him up to where he ended up. Um, so, yeah, other than that. It was Webb. Yeah. Webb was the only one that made any like really significant passes yesterday. Like, you know, he's starting back in the pack a little bit. And then just he passed Roxanne and Brayton and, you know, worked his way up into a podium spot. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. We were actually before... We, as we were just kind of talking about this before the races started yesterday, I said I am back on the Tomac bandwagon, which I had been kind of hinting at the past few podcast episodes. I just want to see him win one. So imagine my disappointment when he gets a bad start and then doesn't do the usual Tomac thing. Yeah. Normally, he starts off 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever, and you're like, okay, give it three or four laps, and he's going to be top five, and then he's got the rest of the race to, to try to get a win, which he's done before. And he just hung out in 10th. Made us, you know, all right, ninth for a few more laps. Then it was eighth for a few more laps. And we just, what is wrong with this guy? It's like he he didn't show up. Roxon didn't show up. But we were talking about, um, I'm not a huge Cooper Webb fan. Uh, Just just a personal thing, you know. um, Just if I had to pick a rider that was I was going to root for, likely wouldn't be Cooper Webb. Boy, did he earn some respect for me last night. Um, The flu. Everybody's had the flu who's had the flu. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like that that knocks you on your butt, man. Right. And one of the most physically demanding sports out there, the flu should be something that it's like, he should have been the one that said, I just want to finish this race. Right. I don't care where. I just want to finish this race. And he was the only one out of the rest of those guys that was pushing for a podium. And he nailed it. He looked great for a dude riding with the flu. That was like that Michael Jordan flu game. Yeah. Like just – Absolutely earned a lot of my respect. That's a damn good performance for somebody with the flu. Yep, and that's uh, he said in a, a post race interview last night. He said, you know, uh, one of one of my favorite things that, and I've heard this from other people. He said, um, you you should be you shouldn't be judged on the your best races on your best days. You should be judged on how you raced on your worst days, and um, yeah, that. It, if you're coming into a race, especially in this sport where cardio and and your ability to breathe is so so important, um, and he showed up like that with the flu, that 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 is some toughness volumes. and grit that not a lot of these other riders I think even know what that is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Maybe it's the ear tuck. I don't know. It's oh man, that drives me crazy, <laughs> guys. Ears do like regular visor hats; those do not go over your ears. Right. That is the most ridiculous. If you got a beanie, sure, that's what they're made for. <laughs> yeah, if you're a size seven and a half hat, don't order a size thirteen hat and, and tuck your tuck ears, your ears into, it. into it. It just looks ridiculous. But no, he absolutely showed some toughness and some grit, and uh, I think he kind of put everyone on notice that he is not going to pull an Anderson. No, like. He's here to try to repeat, yeah. and he wants to be a repeat champion. And uh, he looks fast enough to do it. And he does look fast enough to do it. And so, 
right now, and again, you can't take too much from one race, but right now, Ciancerulo and Cooper Webb look like their contenders, their favorites. And obviously, Tomac's going to be up there, but oh, I'm so mad at him for just... Yeah, I mean, let's go. All right, so let's... um. You want you want me to just give the uh, the results, the top ten results yeah, for just both t- classes? Toss through the results. All right. So well, uh, we did two fifty. So let's we'll just, just let's we'll focus on four fifties. All right. So the top ten results for four fifties we had, um, and obviously it's the first race, so these are also, also your their point, point standings. standings. Yep. So um, we have Justin Barsha, Adam Santiarulo, Cooper Webb, Blake Baggett, Jason Anderson, Ken Roxon, Eli Tomac, Justin Brayton. Malcolm Stewart and Vince Freezy. And trying to look below that, there's really no one of note. Um there there's probably two two riders who I think are probably gonna sneak closer towards the, the top of the top ten a couple of times, and I think that's Zach Osborne and Dean Wilson. Yep. Okay. Both husky riders. Other than that, the the rest of the Osborne's field is another one that just he did not have the kind of performance you expected from him. Uh, like just mailed it in. Another diagnosis. Jeez. Epstein Barr. <laughs> that was one of the things that they were talking about last <sighs> night. So um, I'm gonna have to look into. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna say anything. I think it's clearly something is going around with these guys. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, something's going on. I mean, maybe they're overtraining. I mean, overtraining is just as detrimental as undertraining yep. when you when you do stuff like that. I think Roxon might have been pushing too hard to get back into race shape after two years worth of injuries. Um that might have something to do with it. You know, Osborne um really didn't have an off season for himself. You know, he just right. made sure he was continuously racing. So, you know, maybe these guys are, you know, pushing themselves a little too hard. Maybe even Eli was just so hyper focused that I, I don't know what it was, but there know. was just something not right about a lot of these riders yeah. yesterday, and they're just not the ones you'd expect. I want I want Ciancerulo and Barsha and Cooper Webb to be up front as well, but I want them to also be battling with Roxon and Tomac and right. Muskin if he wasn't hurt. Right. <laughs> um, so it just uh, – not a terrible race. But, no, it wasn't but a terrible for, race, for sure but... a little bit lackluster on the excitement department. Yeah, and a lot of that had to do with the track. A lot of it had to do with its first race back. There, you know, there's a lot of variables that that oh, the track made deteriorated it. deteriorated really quick. Yeah, there's there was that one camera angle where they like they showed the one straightaway and then it panned over to show the next straightaway, and it was like just. 10 riders in a row on that straightaway and they were all in just one line and they all hit the same line into the turn and then they all hit the same line coming back into the next straightaway. I was like, there is nowhere for anybody to go right now. Yeah, it was a parade. It was just a dirt bike parade. (laughs) So uh, one of the things that I want to do, and I don't know if you want to do it right now, I want to make a prediction for how many riders and who they will be that will win mains this year. Okay. Because last year we had last year there was a lot. There yeah, was, it was a lot of different winners. Yeah. So who can we? All right, I'm gonna work this. I'm gonna do this out loud so you can kind of get my thought process here. So we already have one with Barsha, right? Yeah. I personally don't think he's gonna win more than one more, if that. I okay. think that's probably it for him. Sancerulu is probably gonna win one. Right. Tomac is definitely gonna win one. Cooper Webb is probably definitely gonna win one. Yeah. Um, he won nine last year. Right. And Tomac's always on 
good for anywhere from five to ten. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. I mean, who else? Um, Baggett so, has one of those guys that can that can steal a race every once in a while. Agreed. So I'll throw him on that list. Um, Anderson has been mailing it in since his championship, so I'm not even giving him one. <laughs> I think didn't uh, Anderson snuck one out last? No, he was injured last year. Um, who else won one last year? Because there was seven, I believe, that won races. Oh, Muskan won one. So, but he's not. But racing he's not this racing. Year. Uh, Rock, I, I feel like I'm going to put Roxon on the list. I got to feel like as the season goes on, he's going to get better. Um, so there's six. I think you could reasonably say. So last uh, last night, the, our top seven were Justin Barsha, Ciancerulo, Webb, Baggett, Anderson, Roxon, Tomac. And I think you could reasonably say that every single one of those riders has a chance at winning at least one race. Of course. Absolutely. I'm not saying Anderson can't win a race. Of course he can He can obviously win one. I just, whether or not he's going to put in the effort to win one this year is what right. I'm questioning. So you could have a potentially seven, maybe eight, if you have one of those random sneaky sneaky mud races so where I, a guy just kind of. Right. I think Brayton, I think one of those, uh, just based off of what I saw last night, I think Brayton's going to sneak one. I know he's in he's in his older age, but I, I just, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that Justin Brayton is going to just steal one from somebody this year. So mm, I, I'm going to go with six different winners. Okay. So here's 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 my logic, right? Again, we have one with Barsha. I think Webb and Tomac and Ciancerulo win multiple each. I think you're talking like three for Ciancerulo, three or four. Webb's probably going to have five. You know, Tomac's going to have a couple. So you're, you're talking about a decent chunk of the season just from those three riders. Right. Leaving not a lot of room for other guys. I think Baggett might steal one because he actually looked pretty good yesterday for Baggett. He's healthy again, finally. Um, So that would be four, Roxon, and then Arando. So I'd, I'm going to go with six different winners, tops, six. like no more than six. I probably – I really want to lean towards five, but I'm going to go with six different winners this year. Um. Just again, because those three riders to me are going to dominate. I think for a majority of them. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with seven. Barsha's already got one. Yep. Cianci Rule is going to get one. Yep. Webb's going to get one. Roxon's going to get one. Tomac's going to get one. I think Baggett's going to get one. So those are the six that I have. And then I think a random on top of that. Okay. I think Baggett kind of takes the random spot. If he doesn't, someone else will. And I think it's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Because um, he did. He looked good. He's so he's healthy finally, yep. um, and he he had a good ride yesterday. He's so a new dad. He's oh look at that. There's some motivation. Yep. New dad. I like it. So no, I'm gonna go with uh, six six different winners. I think, and you're gonna go with seven. I'm gonna go with so. Seven. So if it's six or under, I win. If it's seven or more, you win. Is that yep. how we're going to do this? Got the over-under. <laughs> <Okay>. Over-under. <laughs> yeah, the over-under six and a half, I'm going to go under. Okay, I'm going to go over. Boom. Okay, that's that. Um, we'll put that out there as the poll, like for the over-under six and a half, and then just over-under for the for the poll for different winners. I like that. Nice. I think we should do that. Um, speaking of predictions, we got St. Louis coming up in week two. I think we've pretty much wrapped up what we wanted to talk about for Yeah, there's, the there's really only so much that we can talk about here because like we said a lot of people mailed it in yeah i think if there were more passes and there were more action and there were more you know things going on to be a lot easier to kind of break down exactly what happened but the two biggest passes for the lead happened because of mistakes right and uh cooper webb started back and he passed a bunch of people yep That's 
and that's looked pretty good doing it. And uh, that's your show. And that's your show. All right. Well, Robert, <laughs> like that's it. We could have done that. We come in and be like, uh, so nothing Bun- really happened. A bunch of stuff happened. But- uh, nothing really of note. Uh, Barsha won. Cianciarula almost did. Webb was sick. Still made the podium. Everyone else mailed it in. Yep. Thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. So next week, St. Louis, let's do some quick predictions. I'm not going to go with like top threes or anything. I don't know nearly enough about what these riders, where these riders are at to start predicting podiums and things like that. All right. Follow, I think, follow your heart, Steve. <sighs> okay. Listen to your heart. Chris, when if you're listening, calling to if you're listening you. to this, that was for you. Um. <laughs> 250s, 450s. So for my 250s, all right. So for my 250 predictions, I'm going to go. I think Ferrandis okay. comes back and steals one. I think Cooper is right behind him. And I think Forkner still falls off at the end a little bit. So I'm going to stick with Craig. So basically the same top three, but I'm flopping as this week, but I'm flopping Ferrandis and Cooper because I think Ferrandis makes it really, really interesting. And at that point, they'd be tied for the points lead. Yep. Which would be really make things really interesting too. So what do you got for 250s next week? I'm going to go same thing for the first two in the same order, um, but I'm going to swap Craig for Forkner. Okay. Which, I mean, I almost did that. I just think that um, he he showed that he's got some work to do. To get back into, um, yeah, I I agree, but I mean, Craig's been off of a bike longer than Forkner has, so I I, I think they're in the same. Fair. I think they're in the same boat, and I just think Forkner's just flat out a faster, faster rider. rider. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm gonna um, change my. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right, four fifties. You go first this time. What all are right, four fifty predictions. My four fifty predictions. Are I have no clue, not a clue. That's, it, right, that's why I said it's so it's so hard right now because so many riders just flat out didn't show up yesterday. Right. Um, uh, it, it, I I listened to a couple of interviews that Cooper gave, and he's he doesn't sound like he's in the thick of the flu. It sounds like he's on the the latter side. Well, of the Will flu. said when she talked to him early yesterday. He could barely talk. Oh, really? Yeah. She's she after the hit. She was like, "When I talked to you earlier, you could barely talk." I didn't. And hear then that. he. So I mean, he does get a couple of days to rest. So yeah, we'll, you know, but the flu man, isn't one of those things. I mean, it it requires rest. It does require it rest. Requires rest. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, and, and he's in the middle of a Supercross season, so rest is one of those things that he is not going to get. Right. So I, uh, if he's if he's in the thick of the flu right now, it's going to be a while before he gets over that. So um, if everybody else starts performing, man, oh. I'm going to put Sanciarulo up atop because I think he's the only one who's actually ready. Um, I think Tomac will come in second, and without ripping my hair out, I'm gonna say, "Oh man, I don't even know." There's so many riders to choose from that could steal this, and I have no idea where they fall. 
<laughs> I'm gonna say Rocks and Falls of three. That was like the most. That, I think that was the most difficult top three I've ever <laughs> See, had that's to get before. We learned literally nothing yesterday. Yeah. Other than Santerulo looks good. So that being said, it's funny. I was writing down mine as you were giving yours, so that um, you know I'm not just copying your 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 answer sheet here. Uh, Santerulo number one, Tomac number two. We have the same top two again, both 450s and 250s. Yeah. Um, but I think Tomac shows up. But I think. Uh, Santarulo rides his momentum from yesterday, right? Whereas Tomac has some work to do. Yep. Tomac probably gets a bad start, starts in tenth, does Tomac things, comes up in second. At that point, Santarulo's run away with it, right? I threw it out there. You know, I keep, I almost like talked myself into this as we were discussing the 450 riders. I put Baggett third. Okay. Um, I thought he looked surprisingly good yesterday. Um, his first it, first time fully healthy in in quite some time, right? And I think that you know. With Webb, I agree. If this if this flu thing hits him, it's gonna be a little bit like he he pushed yesterday. I wonder if he you know needs a week to <laughs> recuperate. <laughs> recuperate. So I think Webb probably falls somewhere in like the five six range. Um, and I would love to put Rocks in third, and I almost did put Rocks in third, like you did. Um, my issue is Roxon has literally shown me zero. Zero. And I know Tomac hasn't either, but Tomac has also coming off of an outdoor championship. And right. he's also coming off of a lot of momentum. Roxon has just yet to show me he can get back to where he was. And I don't know where that fire is for him. And I don't know if he can get it back. But until he shows me a win or a or top three or podium, um, I just I have zero faith in him. And I and I want to see him do well, but you know, when was Roxon's last supercross victory? Um last supercross victory it's been a while roxon let's see if we can even find the podium when was his last supercross podium because i'm pretty sure that's also been a while um i don't know let's see here 2016 2016, which is when he won the. That's when he won the outdoor championship. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to look that up. That'd be interesting to see when his last podium was. Um, I mean, either way, I just I don't I cannot putting him on the podium until he shows me he can get on the podium. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, uh, to me. Just looking back at outdoor and how well he did in outdoor, I think that kind of that showed me that he is um, making his way back. If not, and he's like he's, I think he's really close to where he needs to be. I think he's going to compete. I think he's going to be on the podium pretty close to week in, week out, all season long. Um, we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, again, that's I, I like how neither of us gave Barsha any credit. <laughs> would put him yeah, on the I totally, I, I really, I'm, I'm really hoping. Like I said, I am a Bam Bam fan. I have been for years. Um, I have a couple of Bam Bam T-shirts. I'm just a Bam Bam fan. What can I say? And it warms my heart to see him on the podium. But you're right. 
he's got to prove a little. He's got to prove it again. And it was four years ago, four or five years ago, just out of nowhere, Barsha strung off like he he won he won two in a row and then took a second. There was a, it was then, an outdoors. He like. Uh, there was an outdoor season a few years ago where he just like he rattled off a few wins, a couple of podiums, and another win, and you're like, "What is going?" On? And then he just disappeared again. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I hope I hope that all of his ducks are in a row, like he says that they are, um, because I know that he hasn't had his ducks in a row for a long time, like since his 250 days, really. Right. Um. So i'm hoping he's got it all together and that he is going to be contender i would love to see that i just need to see a little bit more before i can say that it's gonna happen i'm with you and <laughs> you know of all these writers that mailed it in yesterday tomax the only one that i give the benefit of the doubt uh to what they can do next week everybody else i need to show me something before i'm yeah. gonna start putting faith in them uh anderson just d- doesn't look like he cares roxon has not shown me that he can compete at that level yet um Malcolm Stewart, where everybody had these high hopes going into, he mailed it in yesterday. I just these guys need to really step it up this this coming week to to have me even put them back into yeah. the consideration. So, I I think I think Tomac knocks some dust off. Um, you, again, you can only reproduce the race the race environment so much when you're in practice. Soon as you get those nerves, and you're in the race condition. Uh, a different story it's a different story and like he said he had arm pump and anybody who's ever had arm pump once it happens it's impossible to get rid of unless you get off of your bike and um that's he just got he got stuck he got i'm sure the nerves got the best of him and with the nerves the arm pump came and then once the arm pump came there's really only so much that he could do right he did his, he did his best to manage it um I doubt that that's going to happen again next week. I agree. I, that's I think that's why we both have him too. Maybe even one. I mean, he could probably. I'm. <clears throat> I'd be totally okay with flipping Tomac and Cianciarulo as I'm one too. I'd still be feel confident in that. Yeah. Because um, it really could go either way. But that's something. If we can get these two up front battling, ooh, is that going to be fun? It's going. That be is going to be so much fun. And I think that's what's. <sighs> I think that is what we are going to see. Um. It. I think both of those two are going to be battling up front. This is such an exciting year because there are there really are so many just incredibly talented riders this year that if they put the effort in, and I'll put that in you know capital letters that that if if they put the effort in, they could all reasonably win races here and it's exciting to see it's going to be an exciting season i'm just looking forward to watching some more racing hopefully these guys get some fires lit under them because that's what i think the biggest thing was missing yesterday was the fire yeah the the pass backs and like hell no i'm not giving you this spot the one thing the one time i think we saw it was when barsha made his mistake got back on the track and basically tried to completely cut (laughs) cianci rulo off to try to get he's like no you can't have that spot right um it's cianci rulo talking about that in the post he's like we both almost died (laughs) (laughs) i thought we were both gonna die that was awesome so but that was about it for fire you know so hopefully we see more of that um we've done reviews we've done predictions you got anything else jesse 
Uh, that's about it, man. Um, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Join the conversation. We've got this new chat, th- uh, new chat box up on the website. It's been a little reworked, so if you haven't been on there in some time, go check it out. It's www.powerthenumber2theground.com. Um, if you have any, if, if even if you just want to bullshit about Supercross, hit us up on that chat. It goes to my phone. Um, I'll hook it up on Steve so that it goes to his phone too. And then I'll turn it off so I don't get you notifications. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about it. There, you know, we got we got racing. We man. got racing. It is the start of a new year. It is the start of a new season. We are back. Racing is back, and um, I am so excited for the rest of the season, man. Looking forward to it. See you next week. And we out.